They pee where you don't want them to. They throw up where you don't want them to. They're high maintenance. You have to plan your life around them. And then when they're gone, you wish you could do one more day of cleanup. That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Yes, the rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. What can I say? You know, life continues to get in the way. And it gets in the way primarily of contributing new episodes and new content to this podcast. So I pledge my undying devotion to getting better at putting forth new content associated with this podcast, The Gratitude Journal. Hello there, my friends. Uh, Yes, it's been a while. I said that the last time after it had been a while, and it's been a while again. So I have no excuse, really. I wish I did. I wish I had an amazing excuse, but I really don't. You know, before you know it, Tuesday turns into Friday, which turns into Wednesday, which turns into the following Sunday, which the weeks pile up. Then all of a sudden you think, you know what? It's been several weeks since I have uh, produced a podcast episode. So today is that day, probably a little shorter than normal, but it is here nonetheless. Matthew is my name, and thank you for joining in on this podcast once again. The podcast designed for you and I to find new and sundry ways to discover gratitude in our lives to be a little more appreciative for the stuff and the things we have, and to place maybe a little more importance on the important things and a little less importance on the things that maybe before we maybe thought were really, really important. And that's kind of where I'm at in my world, you know, trying to slim down things that maybe, you know, I was collecting this or I had that and wanted to amass this because I figured, you know, it would impress people. And now those things don't seem all that important and they seem even less important today, which I'll get to here in a little bit. So hopefully in your world, things are trucking along as we move our way into the latter portion of April as I record this podcast episode. I must say, meteorologically speaking, it is a gorgeous day. It was a gorgeous day yesterday. It was the kind of day that folks like me in Northeast Ohio are rewarded by the weather gods because it was just so damn nice. I mean, there was no wind to speak of. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was virtually no humidity. The temperature hovered near the 80 mark, and people were out in shorts uh, without masks and doing their thing, and uh, it was uh, really quite nice, and it's bound to be a very similar day today. So there's things on the docket today, so I can't spend all morning in front of this hot microphone, but I can 
share something that I'm very grateful for, which again, I'll get to here in just a second. So hopefully in your world, there aren't wildfires, there aren't uh, tornadic activity, and hopefully it was as nice as it's been yesterday and as it will be today. Uh, my wonderful uh, mate and I, uh, Donna, have been trying to plot out this little excursion to visit my sister in Virginia. And for whatever reason, uh, it just hasn't happened. I mean, one week it was a car fiasco. And I, I don't know if I made mention of it before. I think I did in the previous podcast, but just trying to get over the hump of dealing with, you know, kind of an error on my part and then dealing with the aftermath of that error. Uh, no, nobody was hurt or anything, but it was just, you know, aside from ego and, you know, bruised uh, feelings and wait a minute, what? I, you mean I totaled the car? Uh, you know, I had to find new wheels. So that put off the trip. And then, you know, this latest event that put off the trip. So hopefully next week, uh, it'll be another trip. I'm not looking forward to a nine hour drive. Okay. And if my sister listens to this podcast, I'm sure she probably, you know, isn't surprised by that, but it's something that, not that I feel like we have to do, but I want to do, you know, it's just, it's time to go visit. And uh, it's been almost a year since she was married and it's time to say hi and hang out for a little bit. And so uh, from that standpoint, I'm definitely looking forward. I don't know the exact day. I think it was maybe 2000. I know it was in 2011. I suspect that it was sometime around this time. And back when Donna, you know, was way before her Alzheimer's diagnosis and she was traveling and driving and doing all those other things, she had gone out to visit a relative in Pennsylvania. And while I was sitting watching television, and I know this was a pretty long time ago because the way we have our furniture sort of spaced out in the living room is completely different than it is now and has been for the last like six or seven years. So I said to her last night, you remember when this all happened, I was sitting over there facing this direction. I remember that because the phone rang and when I picked it up, I heard like traffic in the background, you know, like somebody who would be pulled off like on a busy road. Now I knew she went to Pennsylvania and I was just assuming that that the noise that I was hearing in the background was the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And I was indeed correct. It was the PA Turnpike. And so she answers the phone. I answer the phone and she says, first thing out of her mouth, please don't be upset. So obviously I thought maybe, you know, you're in an accident. I thought, what, what happened? What's wrong? She goes, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I just don't want you to be upset. Okay. Well, let's think about the logic of that statement. And I've made that statement several times in my life, dispensing with logic. And really, you're not going to get a pass on that one. Like, no one's going to go, okay, I will not be upset when you tell me that, you know, you, you know, axe murdered half of the you know, shift at the post office. Okay. Uh, I won't, uh, you know, be upset if you tell me that, you know, you were in a threesome you know, with a bunch of pole dancers and then you went to Vegas. Okay. I'm not going to be upset. I mean, come on. That just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, 
obviously, we feel like we have to preface that, right? So she said, I am bringing somebody back with me. And I said, okay, what do you mean? You're bringing somebody back? Uh, You know, more details, please. And she's like, well, then I heard this little, you know, kind of like a, like a screech. And I knew it was an animal and we already had an animal, beautiful, beautiful Maggie, my, one of my most favorite dogs in the whole world. And I was perfectly fine with the animal that lived in our house. And I said, we already have a dog. And she said, yeah, but this dog is being abused. And, you know, I can't stand the fact that this dog is going to be living, you know, with these people one more day. And I, and I, I mean, literally kind of like exploded. I mean, I was just like, what? I am not having two dogs. And she says, I don't want to be yelled at. I'm going to do this and I'll see you in a little bit. Click. Okay. So I was fit to be tied. So when the car pulled in the driveway, I was pacing back and forth. I was upset. So out pops Donna and in the back seat, she pulls out this little white furry critter. Okay. Who looked very disheveled very, uh, you know, haphazardly put together and looked like it had been through the ringer. And she brought it into the house. I mean, it smelled and I just it looked at me with this blank expression and I looked at it with this blank expression and I was just like, okay, I am really, really upset right now. She said, we do not have to keep this dog. I just want to bring it home to care for it until it gets on its feet and then we can find a new home. And I said, fine. And so I went downstairs and I watched Sports Center. You know, anger, it can hang around for a little while, you know, and sometimes it takes a while for it to dissipate, okay? And, you know, the rest of that night, it was kind of bubbling and like, I'm okay, all I know is there's a strange entity in our house and, and I'm hearing it, you know, walking back and forth and I'm hearing Donna let it out and, you know, I don't want really anything. I don't want to get to know it or deal anything with it or it's, I just, I was upset, you know? So I'm trying to rationalize my, you know, my feelings about being upset. And so I knew that, you know, this thing was kind of sleeping on a spare little bed that we had. And, you know, Maggie was pretty good. You know, Maggie was just kind of, you know, nosing around with it. And and Maggie was perfectly fine. You know, they, they were like sleeping side by side. I'm like, fine, spend the night. That's fine that you got that. Next morning, we're finding a new home. So I got up and, you know, Maggie went out and I figured I probably should let this dog out. Okay. And so I grabbed this leash and we walked outside and, and this dog was just, you know, it had been bathed and it had been cleaned and it looked the way a West Highland Terrier is supposed to look. And I thought, you know, this dog, okay. All right. This dog's kind of cute. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. All right. The dog is kind of cute. And you know, the dog just kind of like looked up at me and just with this face. And I was like, <sighs> so you were abused, huh? Okay. All right. Well, that sucks. All right. I hate people who do anything bad to animals and especially dogs. And, and okay. I, I, I feel for you. I don't. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go in. You want a treat? <sighs> That's when it happened. I did a 360. It overpowered me. 
You know, in the immortal words of Father Fick, this feeling's bigger than the both of us. And it's, whatever happens, happens. Sometimes it happens, and it just happened. You know, they named it Happy, and I didn't like Happy, Happy. Because, you know, he didn't seem happy. He just seemed the way he is and was. And and just, you know, so we were searching for a name. And, you know, Terriers are, I think, Scottish in origin. And, and at the time, I was kind of dabbling in single malt scotches. And, and one of the areas of Scotland that produces single malt scotches with a more peat-based overtone is the Isla section, I-S-L-A-Y, Isla. And, and, and Isla wasn't really ringing with me, but I-S or Is was ringing with me. And I said, let's just call him Izzy. I don't like happy. I like Izzy. Let's do Izzy. Okay. And Donna's like, okay, good. Izzy, Izzy it is. So Izzy stared at us and, you know, he had been responding to happy for the first five years of his life and he didn't really understand Izzy, but he got used to Izzy. And over the years, Izzy became Izzy and happy went away. And maybe Izzy was happy. I think he was, but, you know, he became a part of our world and a part of our life. And Izzy and Maggie cohabitated and they got along and they never fought and they snuggled up against each other and they went for walks together and they didn't fight or they didn't yip or yap and and it was pretty good in fact it was more than pretty good yeah izzy is cute and all okay but izzy could be a little willful and izzy kind of like to do things his way and if you kind of forced him to do something, well, he was pretty resolute in his ability to go, oh, time out. I will walk up the steps myself my own way. And then he would do it. Up. Oh, I will eat when I'm ready to eat. Okay, I'm ready to eat. And I will eat. And the only artillery you had against Izzy is that Izzy was small. And if you wanted him to do something, well, you just could pick him up. You couldn't do that with Maggie. Well, Izzy didn't like to be picked up, but that's okay. Izzy did, however, like to run. I mean, run to other houses, run to other counties, run across the pond, over to his native country of origin. Uh, Izzy was a runner. And, you know, Maggie knew her boundaries very well. Maggie would never dream of going out of the driveway. You could sit there for three days and she would never move. Izzy would be halfway to California. That was just the way he was. And I can't tell you how many times I would traipse through the neighborhood because Izzy kind of got loose and then me and other neighbors would be running through the neighborhood, finally cornering him in a yard or finding him panting and out of breath because he simply couldn't run anymore. And I would pick him up and I would say, I don't understand you. You have a maid in the shade here. You have a great life, dog. Why are you running? But that just was the way he was. It was, as I say to others, a part of his charm. And he knew it. Maggie passed away on March 7th of 2017. And I believe that Izzy 
was sad the first couple of weeks. I believe Izzy kind of moped around. As much as I understand about dogs and their behaviors, he seemed depressed. Now, maybe that was because I was in a severe state of depression and I just wanted, you know, another dude to feel the same thing that I was feeling. And I believe that Izzy was kind of going through a little bit of Maggie withdrawal, you know, this first couple of weeks. But neither here nor there, Izzy became our sole doggy, and it was about eight or nine months ago that we began to notice a number of changes with Izzy. One is that he lost a considerable amount of weight. And it wasn't that he was not eating. I mean, he was just eating less. He just seemed to have less interest in food. He could go a couple of days without eating. He might drink a little bit. He would show interest in getting a treat whenever he came back in because Izzy got rewarded every time he went out to the restroom. And so he was used to that. So it wasn't like he showed no interest. It was just that the weight was becoming less and less. And over the past six months, his hearing was almost non-existent and he had very little vision and maybe like a little, almost like a pin size amount of vision. And then he became incapable of going up the steps. So I had to carry him to the yard in order to go to the bathroom. Then we would just let him out on the back deck to go to the bathroom. And he was seemed perfectly fine with that. And so we even took his collar off because walking just proved to be of no interest to him. And I knew he wasn't going to run anywhere because he could barely walk anywhere. And we figured that Izzy was moving up towards 16 years of age. And that would put him at 112 or so in dog years. So that's a pretty ancient guy. In fact, the vet a couple of years ago said, well, Izzy's a senior citizen now, and he's not going to show a lot of interest in walking. And, you know, all the regular maintenance things like having his teeth checked and cleaned and, and they said, well, I have to put him to sleep, you know, for something like that. And he may not survive it and getting groomed, which was a major ordeal. And, and the groomer wouldn't even bathe him anymore because he kind of like fell down in the bathtub and he kind of didn't want to get up. And so they would always say, can you bathe him first before you bring him? One of those kind of things. And as these things began to get worse and worse, I began to get the feeling that it might be time to address the quality of life issue. Well, Donna is very connected to Izzy. And while she certainly loved Maggie, Izzy was her boy. And, you know, they would sit on the sofa together with a towel and and just hang out until Izzy would see me go to get the nacho chip bag. And then he would jump off the sofa, you know, as much as he could just to go out and get his, you know, little nibbles. But Donna and Izzy were like bosom buddies. And so I was hesitant to bring these kinds of things up to her as we are with our pets. You know, we're we're afraid to admit the realities of things because we're selfish and we want them to be around forever and ever. And there is no forever and ever. And so I set up a meeting with all of us to go to the vet. And 
this was about three weeks ago, and I said, I want to discuss, you know, his, his quality of life. And, you know, I was looking for an answer. And the answer I got was, I'm good with whatever you guys decide to do, which is not what I wanted to hear. And, of course, Donna said, I can't do this. So we took him back home. And it was the same thing. Yeah, they gave him some medications and stuff, but I did my research on the medications and they were really just like sort of glorified aspirin, glorified Tylenol. They were just hoping to make him feel better. And once the prescriptions were done, well, then he was done feeling better. I mean, it's not like they were going to cure anything. And so a couple of nights ago, he was out on the deck and he just walked into the side of the house. And then he came in and got behind me and started slipping down the basement steps because he couldn't see the opening. And I managed to snag onto him. And then I bought a baby gate on Amazon to put up in front of the opening so he wouldn't do it again. But I knew that it was really just a temporary fix. I was having a conversation with someone at work about their dog, and I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. I just felt like maybe Izzy was saying to us, hey, you know what? I can't make this decision for myself. You know, you have to make this decision. And in reality, I have to make this decision. So I called Donna on Wednesday, and I said... I want to go back to the vet. Our vet is a kind of like a no appointments. You just show up and you wait in the parking lot and you announce that you're there waiting. And then when it's your turn, they call you in. So it could be 20 minutes. It could be two hours. But luckily we got there relatively early and I got in relatively early and we had the same vet. And I said, listen, I think it's time. And she said, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think you're doing him a kindness. Naturally, I thought, why didn't you tell me that three weeks ago? But that gave us three more weeks, selfishly. So since that day, Donna has been pretty crushed. And... There's sort of a pall over the house because we have had a dog since before we moved to Manassas, Virginia, when I took a position at a radio station in Washington, D.C. in 1993. We have had a dog before that. And this is the first time that there's been no canine or feline in our home. And it feels very odd and very strange. And all of the triggers that one gets used to with having a canine family member, I can't tell you how many times yesterday we were out and about and I kept thinking, we have to get home so I can let Izzy out. You know, he's not going to go more than a couple of hours because we had had him wearing a diaper and everything else. And I'd have to catch myself at least five times yesterday, minimal. I don't really have to get home. 
So I would say hang on to those pets and love on those pets today and be grateful for all of the joys that they give you and some of the pains in the rumps that they give you too. I mean, there's nothing worse than waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and realize that you stepped in your canine's doo-doo, you know, or, you know, hey, what's that wet spot on the rug? There's nothing worse than having a doggy that doesn't feel very good. And there's really nothing you can do except go over and pet their head until they kind of get out of it. There's nothing worse than leaving your pet at a kennel because you're going away and you can't take them with you and you watch that look on their face and that's just a horrible look. And there's nothing better than getting them back when they run around the corner and they see you there after you've been gone for five days. So love on these, these animals who know so much. They're so aware of their surroundings and they, they make you aware of your surroundings with no filter whatsoever. They can't hide anything. They, they don't do sarcasm. They are what they are. What you see is what you get. Their purpose is to make your life more abundant. And animal lovers, and in particular dog lovers, know what I'm talking about. That feeling when they just, they know you're upset and they kind of just nudge up against you and they don't have to do anything. They don't have to obviously say anything. They know stuff. And I am continually amazed at the stuff that they know. And I do believe our lives together, Donna and I, have been immeasurably, made immeasurably better with having animals like Izzy in our life. We have a little thing on a whiteboard that has an AM and a PM category. And several years ago, when Izzy couldn't get up the steps, we would give him an 81 milligram aspirin, as prescribed by a vet at the time, rolled up in a little cheese ball. And every once in a while, Donna would make them, say, for the month. And we'd get the little bottle of 81 milligram aspirin and a bunch of Belvita cheese, and she would sit at the table and roll them up in little balls. And so in the morning, after he would go out for his first time of the day, he would come back in looking for his cheese ball, his morning cheese ball. And in the evening, uh, he would come back in from being out and he would be looking for his evening cheese ball. And so we would put a little X on it, you know, as Donna's condition worsened a little bit. And I would say, I'm going to start putting an X on this board. So we remind ourselves when he gets the cheese ball. And I did as much for myself as well, because sometimes I would forget. And in those spots today, Donna drew little upside down smiley faces. And I look in the refrigerator and I see that little container and there's about 17 or 18 cheese balls all ready for him. You know, if he ever pops around, he can have one. Izzy, a.k.a. Little Man. Rest in peace, buddy. You sure gave our lives 
a large amount of joy, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. Thank you for listening to a rather late episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. <laughs>